Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show. And today we are talking about the greatest performances of Terry Bam Bam Gordy. And I'm joined once again by one silver. What's up, man? Hey, good evening, uh, Logan. Good evening, wrestling fans. As we talk about one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, I loved this guy since I was a kid, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, one of the five greatest big men of all time, um, the best worker of the Freebirds. He was a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal worker who died too young at the tender age of 40. Yeah, and uh, definitely like... Um a just a talent, a raw talent in business. Um, it probably wouldn't have gotten anywhere today if he started, but uh, definitely was a um, a great worker. And uh, I mean, you just see it in the three matches that you put on here. Now, talk about um, where where did he start out in war class? Well, no, no, he began wrestling at the tender age of 14 in 1975 in the Chattanooga Wrestling Territory, the Tennessee Circuit, uh, Southeastern Wrestling. At that time, it might have been known as Gulf Coast, Gulf Coast Wrestling. I'm not sure, but he was only 14, and he, re- he started wrestling in his hometown of Chattanooga, Tennessee, the, the place where he was born and raised. And then um, where did he kind of start coming on TV? Like, where... Where was the first time that he was Well, the first time I believe he was on television. Him and Michael Hayes were a tag team, I believe, around 1978, 1979. Both of them, or being teenagers at the time, they were Memphis. They started wrestling in Memphis, and I think that's when they began to be known as the Fabulous Freebirds. And um, they were the first wrestlers to come to the ring with entrance music. The last wrestler to have done that I believe Gorgeous George in the 1950s used to come out to the music that Randy Savage later used. There's a graduation song. But the music was gotten rid of after that and didn't come back until Michael Lays and Terry Gordy began tag team as the Freebirds. Then Logan... In that 19- music, by the way, just let me interject. I love that song. Uh, that, that was their original music. Which one? Bad Street. No, but, but before Bad Street... They used to come to the ring to um when they started to uh the Freebird song. Oh, 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 I know that song. Right, Leonard Skinner, if yeah. I, yeah. If I stay here with you, girl, yeah. would you still remember me? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm as high as a free bird, yeah, that, yeah. And that was a great, great, great song. It wasn't until we talk about his matches in eighty three is when they recorded the Bad Street USA uh, song, which was Michael Hayes and the Freebirds. They they did that song. That was their song, Michael Hayes singing. Did but, that song pop any charts, man? Because uh, it was a- that was that was well, independent label. Um, very hard to find these days. It was only distributed on vinyl. Um, but I mean, when they came to the WWF in 1984, McMahon's idea was to have them cut a rock album, but. They didn't last too long, and they only were in the WWF for two weeks. But in 1980, they came to Mid-South, and this is where things exploded for the Freebirds. Uh, That's when Buddy Roberts joined the group, and they did a legendary blinding angle 
with the Junkyard Dog, and I, an angle we discussed on JYD's greatest performances. And that angle led to them having almost 40,000 people in the Superdome in a main event where Michael Hayes wrestled Junkyard Dog in a dog collar match because JYD was still blind, and the only way he could touch Michael Hayes was with the dog collar. After that feud, and they went to Georgia when he did huge business, and they feuded with Ted DiBiase and the JYD again. And then from Florida, they came to the world class. And Christmas night, 1982, the feud that set the world on fire began. It was a match between Ric Flair and Terry Von Erich inside a steel cage. Michael Hayes was the special guest referee. Terry Gordy was the gatekeeper. During the match, and this is a match that we, we talked about on the great, greatest wrestling matches of all time. During the match, Michael Hayes knocked out Ric Flair and told Terry Von Erich to pin him. The, um, Von Erich refused. And so Garvin, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Hayes left the ring and Gordy slammed the cage door to Terry Von Erich's head, causing him to lose to, to, to Flair and beginning that legendary feud that went on for almost two years. And it was, that, it was the aftermath of this that we go into our first match, February of 1983, Ric Flair coming to world class, defending the NWA World Championship against Terry Gordy in a rare NWA heel versus heel match. Except Ric Flair is like kind of playing the babyface here. It's really kind of funny. He, well, yeah, he, he's cocky in his interview, but he's low key. He's not screaming. A great promo, great promo to begin this match. Ric Flair is sitting in the audience like this cool, uh, right. calm. Babyface giving Gordy all the credit for saying, even though you're that you're that good, Gordy, you're the best of the Freebirds. You're not on the Nature Boys level. <laughs> yeah, he does a great promo, very calm, very. The Gordy very... great promo and re- <laughs> to retort. <laughs> oh yeah, Gordy was a good promo too, man. He was just like really well. Something flare tonight's the night, baby. I'm taking the title. Now, this first match with Flair. Now, what we're going to do here with these matches is, uh, you know, we can't we can't go move from move with Gordy. Gordy's whole matches are basically a brawl where he goes back and forth with you. Yeah, he's a brawler who takes phenomenal fucking bumps. I don't know a man that size that can take the bumps Gordy can take. Yeah, and, and he, he sells like nobody's business. Like, he really puts over his opponent. I got to give Gordy credit. A lot of guys his size, Bruiser Brody will not give you any offense. They're like, oh, you're much bigger than I'm much bigger than you. It's not realistic if I sell. No, Gordy would sell the fuck for you. And could he fucking bump? Yeah, and people don't realize that if you sell, you basically make your opponent look even better and therefore you make yourself look better when you get offense. You know, yeah, like so. that's why that's why Gordy, Bigelow and Vader were such great workers because while they would hammer you, they would let you get your shit in and they would sell for you. Yeah, and that made you look stronger, and then that made them, like... If you could knock down a 300-, 400-pound guy, then that puts you over even if you lose. Right. And and, and they just, that's the way they, they wrestled. And so so you have um, Ric Flair at the beginning of this match, like, you know, getting their early babyface kind of advantage. But then um, with a little interference from uh, Mr. A's, we get Bam Bam basically start working him over. Now, there's a... 
famous. I remember this uh, Boston Crab that Ric Flair gets him in. I think that was on the cover of a magazine. I love how I love how he puts it on him. It, it, Logan, usually when you see a Boston Crab in a match, because the guy doesn't want to hurt the other guy, because if you really put the Boston Crab on, you can really break something. Here, it looks like he's really rich and on. Usually you see a guy half-assed, and he's got the ankles, and the other guy is like, oh, I'm hurt, but it's barely on. No, he sticks the shit in, and Gordy sells the hell out of it. Yeah, I swear I've seen that in a magazine because uh, – Yeah, I think I saw that, like, on the cover of Inside Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, it was like him in the, the with that Ric Flair smile. Like, I got you, brother. <laughs> yeah, so Ric Flair, like, you know, he's he's, like, perfectly suited to to play off of um, a Gordy. I mean, like, his best opponents are these big guys that kind of can throw him around. And you, know, uh, you make a great point there, Logan. Usually, Flair is wrestling his 300-pound gorillas where he has to bump off of them, and they can't do anything other than just do power moves. No, Gordy's that rarity where, while Flair can bump off of them, Gordy can bump and sell for Flair as well. Yes. And, you know, people underrate Hogan, but I think Hogan is a good worker in that respect. Like, when well, he works. Hogan, I think Hogan's best matches in the United States were against Flair and Savage. And, yeah. And, and those guys are very athletic. Hogan had to keep up with them. So, yeah, good, great point there as far as the, um, the underrated working ability of Hulk Hogan. Because when he took on guys like Flair and Savage, guys much smaller than him, he would sell for them and he would bump for them. Exactly. That's what the key to it, man. He would sell for that. And that and so his uh so you have here um you know, the the uh, the power of of Gordy coming through here, like he's just like Ric Flair's beating up like a stronger man. But like they basically just trade advantage, you know, like at one point uh Gordy's get gets the upper hand and it's just it's just punching, you know, I mean it's just like punching, kicking, you know, boots um, you know, big old fucking lariats, but nothing like, you know, with headbutts, you know, that's that's his whole offense, you know. He's not he's doing some body slams and shit like that. Maybe blocks of suplex. I think at one time he does doesn't he get a pile driver on Flair or is that Yes. Yes. I mean he he basically gets everything on him. He gets uh a Rick Flair gets a figure four on him. I'm not sure how he gets out of it. Um no, he reverses it. And that's, that's this it. is the end of the match. Flair puts the figure four on Gordy Gordy reverses it, so Flair takes it off real quick. And then um, Gordy has the advantage. Coming off the ropes, Gordy does a flying body press. Flair ducks. Gordy's neck hits the ropes, and Flair gets the pin. One, two, three. Retains the world championship. Great match. Great match. And um, just shows you how over Gordy was and how, and how over Flair was. This is Von Era country, and the fans are going apeshit for this match. Usually when it's the the baby faces territory, and they're not in the main event. There's not as much enthusiasm. Now the fans went crazy because these two guys put on a hell of performance. Both of them, and Gordon, Logan Gordy at this time was only 22 years old. No, he hadn't even reached 22 yet. He was two months shy of his 22nd birthday. Wow, that's amazing. Because he, uh, there was this one um, scene where Flair like throws it uh, right in the beginning of the match, where Flair um, throws him into the the corner, and he does that flip. I mean, he just, like, bounces off that buckle, like, at the beginning Gordy, of the match. Gordy, for a 300-pound man, was so fucking agile. It's, it's just a crime that, at the age of 34, he was washed up. Hey, man, that's, uh, but, I mean, I guess it's just, is that is that drugs or what? Yeah, well, we'll go into it at the end of his career. Yeah, it was, uh, 
combination of his lifestyle and getting into a coma. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. Don't don't get into a coma, guys. Yeah, it um, was so, so far, I believe, uh, prescription medication. Yeah, that'll get that'll comaize you. Um so yeah, Ric Flair here, um he doesn't he doesn't cheat. Um so I in that sense he also but no, he does kick him in the balls. Uh, in one in one instance uh, in this match, <laughs> so it's still the dirty player. Um, so then we have um, Terry Gordy versus Terry Vaughn Eric. But uh, is there anything in between here you want to talk about? No. Oh, as this as it continues, the feud continues with the Vaughn Erics and the Freebirds for the rest of 1983 and through the summer of '84. Now, on May 6, 1984, the night before the match we're talking about. You had the parade of champions at uh, uh, Texas Stadium. It originally was supposed to be David Von Erich versus Ric Flair, but David died in Japan in February of 1984. So this is a memorial, the David Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions, in which Terry Von Erich takes on Ric Flair May 6, 1984. Another match we covered on the greatest wrestling matches of all time. Von Erich wins the title, and the next night he goes to Fort Worth, May 7th, and defends his title for the first time against Freebird Timmy Bam Bam Gordy. Right. Now, this um, you have here um, probably the peak of uh, of um, Von Erich. Yeah, this Kerry is Von the peak of Kerry Von Erich. He's 25 years old. He's built like no other motherfucker you've ever seen before. He's got all the charisma in the world. Can't cut a promo, but all he has to do is show up and the bitches come, all right? He's the man, Terry Von Eric. He's very athletic, and while not a great worker, he's the type of guy that put in with a great worker, a la Gordy, a la Flair, will shine because of his athletic ability and his ability to uh, keep up, and he's just a great at the way he looks. Yeah, so so uh, you have Terry Gordy basically is a um, – I guess he's you know he's playing the heel here, obviously. Yeah, this is during the midst. Still, the Von Erich Freebird feud is is ongoing. It doesn't end until the, uh, a couple of months later when they leave for the WWF. Yeah, so they're they're I mean, and this guy is such a huge babyface in this territory, man. The girls are just shouting his name here, Carrie, uh, Carrie Von Erich. Um, I think at this time of his of his life at in 1984. Uh, Terry Von Erich was doing 10 lines of cocaine and 15 girls a night. That's cool, man. That's, that's, how, that's how you do it, man. You know? <laughs> I think there's a little Terry Von Erich Jr. running around that no one knows about. <laughs> now, now this this match is for um, the... Yeah, championship. He won it the night before in Dallas, Texas. Okay, yeah. So he 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 gets it from Flair, and um, Flair then. Um, okay, so then he's defending it now. This is what how I many. Just... What I loved about the NWA Logan, the WWF never did this. The NWA was promoted as real, as as a, a, like it was a real sports ent- a sports entity, and just like in other sports, a la boxing, when the world championship changes hands. The, the new world champion has to claim the dates that the old champion had. He has to claim his bookings. So 
originally supposed to be Flair versus Gordy. Flair loses the night before, so Kerry Von Erich inherits Flair's bookings. And so his first match is against Gordy. Okay, so this guy now, um, this, hold on a second. This match, okay, so yeah, so this match is another brawl. I mean, it's basically like, uh, the Von Erich Freebird feuds were never, uh, hammer locks and wrist locks. It was all about punching, kicking, and, and blood. Yeah, but the, I mean, you, I thought they both, um, I, you know, it takes two to tango with these matches, and people well, used to say... Gordy and Buddy Roberts were the kings, and the, were, were the guys that made the matches in the Freebirds Von Erich feud. Because Gordy, Gordy was, was the big man who was getting the brawls. Michael Hayes was never a great worker. He threw a great punch, but he was the talker and, and, the, and, and you know, the antagonizer. And Buddy Roberts was the guy who not only could take the great bumps, but he'd have to take the pinfall because you didn't want to hurt Gordy or Hayes. <laughs> right. So these guys, um, th- this is this they're like probably they've done this match before. Um, uh, they wrestled several times. Remember, this is a feud that's been go- ongoing since Christmas 1982. So they've been in every type of match: lumberjack match, steel cage match, six man match, tornado match, every type of match. They- this is no this is no DQ. No, this, this this right here is is nothing new for these guys. Right on. Okay, so in this match, basically they do a, they do a great brawl. He comes out with the spike. Um, he puts and I that... love the backstory to this, Logan. Jerry Gordy at this point had started wrestling in, in Japan, and so when when he co- when he came back after a tour of Japan, him and Michael Hayes cut a promo that he I learned the Asiatics. I could kill you with my thumb. <laughs> I could kill you with my what? My thumb. <laughs> oh, but it was it was some spike he had, right? He would, he would put the thumb in your throat and then you start bleeding out the mouth. <laughs> so it wasn't actually uh, a foreign object. It was the, was a thumb to your throat, some shit like that. Yeah. Oh, so so um, you had Carrie with the claw, which yeah. was hilarious. So it was the it was the claw versus the spike. All right. So he gets him with that thing, man, like, you know, gets him in the in the neck. He gets a pile driver on Carrie. He gets the uh, – he beats the shit out of Carrie, basically, uh, all over the ring. And then Carrie beats on him. They they fucking trade some big shots. Basically, it's a, it's an all-out brawl, you know. I mean, and, and, the, and this is another instance where you have um, – Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention, Logan, in the Flair versus Gordy match, Carrie comes out right when the – when the ref, when the ring announcer is announcing both men, and I'm like, when I first watched this match, I was like, is he the special guest referee? Why is he out there? No, he's there to start shit because he hates Flair and Gordy, and he cocks Gordy with the with the discus punch. <laughs> That's right. All right, so we go in here to this match here. They they're they're um, Gordy goes for. I mean, basically, it, it's it's over when Gordy goes for a uh, a dive. Body like a kind of cross body from the yeah, top rope. Cross, at the end of the matches, he does a cross body block off the top rope, and um, Von Erich reverses it for the three count. Yeah, and and that um, move itself, I mean, for a guy like that, is pretty amazing uh, that he does that so gracefully and uh, ends up in getting pinned. But whatever, I mean, great win makes makes uh, Terry look like a million bucks. 
Terry, by the, I mean, uh, Carrie, by the way, has, um, he's huge. He must be, like, taking, like, tons of roids, too. I don't know if there was ever a wrestler with a greater physique than Kerry Von Erich in 1984. This man was built from head to toe. I mean, the steroids he he was taking were, must have been the best on the market. Cause this mother- I mean, him, it was him and Ultimate Warrior. You know, basically those two at the time. Like, and, and Lex Luger, I would say those were the three greatest yeah. I, of all time. Because a lot of the wrestlers would be big on top and small on the bottom, like skinny-ass legs and calves. And Scott Steiner. Is, uh, Luger, Warrior, and Von Erich had muscular calves, mus- muscular thighs, muscles all over. Yeah. So we're so uh, you know th- that's the thing. Like um, Gordy, like looked like he had no muscle. <laughs> you were funny. The match against Ric Flair, Bill Mercer, the, the announcer goes, "Oh, and Gordy, he has a great physique." Like, what the fuck are you looking? At? <laughs> yeah, Flair was pretty built too in that match. Uh, Flair was. But I got uh, I got to give Gordy credit as he got older when he wrestled permanently in Japan. He lost a lot of weight. It, at this point, he was 300-something pounds. When he was wrestling with Dr. Def Steve Williams, when they were the greatest tag team on the planet, he was around 250, 260, and not fat at all. Good shape. I mean, not muscular, but you could tell that he was in good shape. I don't think Gordy ever touched a steroid in his life. But in Japan, in the early 90s, he was in great shape. And it also probably had to do with the cocaine abuse he was enduring throughout the night. Kept his weight down. <laughs> Yeah, well, that that's a good diet plan. His so <laughs> so his so so this guy's um uh thing. I mean, his his matches. He did he ever um? Well, let's talk about just for a second what happened to Kerry in terms of how he lost the title. All right. Well, t- uh, two weeks later, he loses the title in Japan back to Flair. Did Flair cheat? I think he grabbed the tights. Referee didn't see it for the three count. <laughs> Fuck that. So, so then um, you have so Gordy. Um, after this, goes, after this, a couple of months later, the Freebirds go to the WWF in the summer of 1984, and they were highly anticipated, but didn't work out. The Freebirds and McMahon argued over the direction of, of where the three three were going. They were baby faces. The Freebirds weren't really baby faces. They should have been heels. So the Freebirds left, and they all went their separate ways. Um, Hayes went to Florida. Uh, Buddy Roberts went into a semi-retirement. And Gordy went back to Dallas, where he became a babyface feuding with Skandar Akbar and his army. And there was a great match that we covered on the greatest wrestling matches of all time. November of 1984, Gordy versus Killer Khan in a Texas death match with Kerry Von Erich as the special guest referee. A great match. One of the greatest matches in Texas wrestling history. Um, both men bloodied. Uh, Kerry Von Erich saves a Gordy at the end. Gordy wins. And then when the match is over, Gordy grabs the microphone and what a probe goes, ah, I want Kerry Von Erich to get back in his ring right now. I got something to tell him. <laughs> That's a great impression, man. Sounds just like you. <laughs> you know, your voice kind of sounds like uh, Terry Gordy, man. Did you oh, watch a lot of his promos? Terry comes in the ring, and Gordy looks like he's going to attack him, but no, I just want to tell you, thank 
his hand, they hug. And that was supposed to be the end of the Freebird Von Erich feud. And so the Freebirds were faces, the Von Erichs were faces. But when world class started suffering, Kerry Von Erich broke his leg. His, um, uh, Mike Von Erich died. They re, they re, they uh they went back to the feud, but it was too late. Nothing nothing good came out of it, and that was that was a disaster. Gordy, mean, go ahead. No, but was that when um, Jim Garvin was on the team? No, no, no. That was before Jim Garvin. Okay. Jim Garvin comes later. So after that feud, well, during the midst of that new Von Erich. Freebird feud, which wasn't going anywhere. Ken Mattel, who was the booker for the world class at the time, made a deal with Bill Watts where he would take a whole bunch of wrestlers from world class and take them to the newly formed UWF Mid-South. Mattel took with him the Freebirds, Iceman Parsons, Chris Adams, Sunshine. They raped world class of their talent pool. And the Freebirds came to the UWF and this is where we go to the next match. A one-night tournament, May 30th, 1986, Houston, Texas. And the finals were Terry Gordy versus Axel Jim, Jim Duggan. The finals for the first ever UWF World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, and it's awesome because it opens up with the one-man gang, like, saying that he wants to fight. You know, he wants to be the one in, the, in this match. And 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 of course, Hacksaw Jim Douglas is not going to back down from. Him. He's like, "You want some? Come get some!" Basically, and then they start brawling. And what a brawl at the beginning of this match! <laughs> I mean, this, the brawl was better than the match. I mean, they go all over, all over the ring, and Duggan gets bloodied, and he has to be stretched out. The, the 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 commission gives him five minutes to recuperate, and he comes back in the ring all bandaged up. And him and Gordy have a short brawl. Outside the ring, Hayes posts Duggan, and this was a mistake, Logan. He actually beats him in the, in the post. By accident, Duggan gets a, a real concussion from b- b- bashing his head into the post when Hayes throws his head into the post. His head hits the bolt that sticks out. And oh. it, it really fucks him up. And then Gordy pile drives him, and it looks like he really... He really pile drives his head through the mat. <laughs> oh yeah, he, I mean, he, he didn't, these pile drivers that take place in this era are so devastating. Love Gordy's pile driver because it was like Mr. Wonderful Paola's pile driver. He jumped up and he drilled you. Yeah, so they. I mean, so he comes back in the ring after this getting beat up by the one man gang with his head all bandaged up, and uh, then you have the like, um, you know, basically. Um, Another brawl, like knockout, dragout brawl, um, where you have um, Gordy. Uh, there's one point where like um, Hacksaw goes for his like football, yeah, and that's that's where that's where he gets the um, head. He goes for the football uh, tackle. Gordy fucking basically does the whole like uh, matador thing, sends him out the ring, and then um, yeah, then uh, he gets by. Uh, and so that was a real concussion there um, by uh, Michael Hayes. Actually, dented his forehead. Yeah, so uh, he gets he gets plowed driven like a motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, just he he and and hacksaw does such a great job of selling that fucking. Well, you know, he was he didn't have to do a great job of selling this point. He was he was he was really fucked up. <laughs> 
And that's it. He, I mean, that's the win. He wins the UWF title. It's a great way for Hacksaw to win, to lose without, you know. Without losing any of his heat. You're right. Right. So you get you give him, like, shit, he was just beat up by the one-man gang. Now, when Dougie comes back, he's got two feuds. He's got a feud with one-man gang, and he's got a feud with Terry Gordy. Uh, Gordy would hold the title until November of that year where he had to leave for a tour of Japan, so Bill Watts orchestrated an angle where Gordy had his arm broken by Duggan. And so before a match with one-man gang, Hayes is like, the doctor says he can't wrestle, so Bam Bam's not wrestling. So the referee awards the title to the one-man gang on a forfeit. And so that's how Gordy loses the title, one-man gang becomes champion, and then um, Gordy leaves for Japan. Gordy, the, the Freebirds would stay with the UWF until the UWF is bought out by Crockett in 87. They stay with Crockett for a couple of months until they leave because they're not getting pushed. Matter of fact, they're getting buried. So they leave. And from 1988 up until his coma in 1993, Gordy, 90% of the time, is wrestling in Japan where he forms a, one of the greatest tag teams of all time with Dr. Def Steve Williams. In in um, April of 1990, he's supposed to wrestle Hulk Hogan at the Wrestling Summit, where you have All Japan, New Japan, and the WWF combining for a super show. Gordy, at that time, is the New J- is the All Japan Triple Crown World Champion. Hulk Hogan had just lost the title to the Ultimate Warrior WrestleMania. Gordy pulls out of the match because he tells Giant Baba, the owner and booker of, of All Japan, He's not doing, I ain't doing no job for Hulk Hogan. <laughs> That's, yeah, what do you think? Do you think that was smart? It was, you know what? Because of that move, Baba never trusted Gordy again, and he quickly took the title off of Gordy as punishment. Um, he lost out on a big payday because Hanson took his place, and there's a match recovered on the great wrestling's greatest matches. They had a great match, and Hanson did the job to Hogan. Didn't lose any luster. Hanson is the greatest, is the biggest American ever to wrestle in Japan. The the the, the, the most the most over. So if Hanson could do it, why couldn't Gordy do it? Yeah, man. It was just sometimes they just uh, their egos, man, get in the way. Gordy, Gordy thinking, well, I'm the world champion. Hogan is going back to New York after this match. Why should I do this? But no, you're on. It's in the super. It's in the Tokyo Dome in front of fifty thousand some people. I mean, Hanson. Hanson did it with no problem. Why couldn't have Gordy done it? And after that, that would have been a bigger match too. And, and uh, yeah, and, yes, it would have. It would have been. A, oh yes, and it, it would have. But anyway, Gordy loses the title, and then a couple of months later, almost dies on a plane flight in Japan, where he's all fucked up on cocaine and booze. And um, he only misses a few dates. He comes back, and he's done the work. And he's 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 not as bad as originally thought, but it was a sign, a sign of things to come because three years later, with a combination of prescription drugs and, and, and cocaine and alcohol, he lapses into a coma, and when he comes out the, the the coma, he has to learn how to wrestle. Again, he's not the same guy. He's a shell of his former self, and he, he wrestles for six more years basically as a ghost. And is that when he came to the WWF? Oh I yeah, guess? the executioner. Yeah, yes. And and he was just like a 
a total fuck up at that point. Oh, he, he was no, he he had no business in the ring, but Gordy was broke. He had no choice but to wrestle, and he died at the age of forty in two thousand and one. Oh man, that's a sad story. But uh, but he's uh, he's well remembered. Is um, is he's, he's in the Hall of Fame, right? He's in the Observer Hall of Fame because the Freebirds were all voted in as a, as as the trio of Roberts, Gordy, and Hayes. So he's in the he's in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Um, he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame, but um, my understanding is the Freebirds are going to be inducted at this year's WrestleMania. So he'll be in the WWE Hall of Fame this coming April. I wonder if on the network they play their – they must have the rights to their music. I mean, because, like, Doc Hendricks works well, for them. They don't, play, they don't play the Freebirds song. I think matches that we've looked at, it's the Bad Street USA song. Well, that's fine. I, I, you know, I, I hope they play that song at least because I, I don't know if they even have rights to that, but they probably do because... Yeah, Michael Hayes is an employee of the WWE. Yeah. That's why they use it. Yeah. It's a cut every time they play. Go ahead, Vince. Play it, Vinny Mac. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so for Michael Hayes is one of the greatest promos of all time. We could do a show just on his fucking promos. The man could talk asses into the building. I mean, a racist bastard... But goddamn, is he great with the fucking mic? He's racist, huh? Yeah, Michael Hayes is right. A couple of guys quit the promotion because of that motherfucker. Wow. Well, I, yeah, I think I heard that. I think uh, I heard that. Rio quit uh, earlier this year. Came back, of course. And um, Bobby Lashley quit a long time ago because uh, because of the shit he was telling him. Call him the N word in the whole nine. Damn man, where's he? He's gonna get his ass kicked, man. What the hell? Yeah, especially he's an old man now. He's fifty some years old. <laughs> he was he was always like somebody that you could probably kick his ass, you know. Like he was the of the, I love, of the three, he was always you know the the, the least tough. Nobody fucked with Gordy. I mean, did we ever did we ever get the Flair uh, the Flair Hayes match? They rushed, they feuded in Florida in the in the fall and winter of nineteen eighty four when Hayes was the Booker of Florida as a babyface. Um. I don't I don't know if any of those matches are um I saw some of the pictures in PWI, but I don't know if any of those matches were ever recorded. They never had a feud other than in Florida, and that would have been a great money feud somewhere, man. Because the them two guys, the way they talk, just the promos alone. Yeah, they're both great promos. And recently, Hayes was a guest on Flash podcast, and man, talk about two guys that can talk shit. <laughs> what happened? Recently, Hayes was on Ric Flair's podcast, and it was hilarious. Oh, so you've been listening to Flair. Tell me about Flair's podcast, man. Love Flair's podcast. I highly recommend it because he gets very emotional. Ric Flair gets very emotional, especially when he has guys on that he respects. Um, Stay away from the Vince Russo one. There's bullshit. I don't know why he had Russo on because Russo buried Flair. Stay away from the Hulk Hogan podcast because it's, it's Hogan apologizing, and I'm not really, oh, God, Flair apologizing for him. Don't even bother with those, but listen to the Brett Flair. <laughs> listen to the Brett Hart podcast. Listen to the Michael Hayes podcast. Listen to the podcast when he talks about Piper after Piper dies. There's some great shows, but stay away from the shows that you know is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, the Russo, I'm sure he laid it on real well, thick. Leave that shit alone, yeah. What about what about Stone Cold? Oh, that uh, that that was great too. They've been on each other's podcast. They're both great. Um, I love the Stone Cold podcast. 
Love the Flair podcast. To me, the best out of all of it is the Jim Ross podcast. Love the Jim Ross podcast. Jim Ross drinking yeah. his uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so he's got the uh, um, yeah. I mean, they they all kind of rotate the same kind of guests around. But uh, what is that? It's like when I do your show or I do his show. They they all rotate the same guests. I mean, what about Jericho's show? Um, I've never listened to Jericho. I've never listened to Jericho. But I know Ricky Steamboat and on Flair's podcast was tremendous because they're great friends. They go back a long way, so they they bring up a lot of stories. And I mean, what, for old school wrestling fans, those podcasts are, are gold. They're gold. I'm surprised they haven't had San Martino on any of theirs. Shit. You know, San Martino hasn't been on any, but the San Martino is very. He, 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 I think he only does Brian and Dave. I think he doesn't do anybody else. Yeah, that's what he does, um, which gives them a lot of credibility. But, but Bret Hart has been on on all three. He's been on Raw. He's been on the, the Bret Hart Ric Flair podcast is great because it's them two are uh, mending fences, and you find out that they're friend. They've been friends. What happened was when Flair's son died, Bret Hart reached out to him, and they've become friends ever since. You, know, I'm thinking what we should do, man, is all like we should try to get. Maybe some of these um, wrestlers uh, that we can get on, you know, on an interview. See if we can, because some of them are about to die, dude. You know. <laughs> I mean, not Bruno San Martino, but. <laughs> I was being serious. You know, Gordy died young, and he abused his body, and no one's abused their body more than Ric Flair. The motherfucker's still active, going around, and I don't, I don't get Flair. Someone once said that Ric Flair was probably a creature from another planet. The way he lives his life, I mean, he looks—he looks like it, man. He's got glowing white hair and a red face. <laughs> so he might be another fucking alien, yeah. Because this motherfucker's done every drug known to mankind, drank every type of alcohol, banged every type of chick, and look at him—he's still alive. Dude, he's popped every blood vessel in his face. You can see that. <laughs> Hey, he has he has bladed every part of his body. <laughs> He's like a fucking hot dog with white hair. And all uh, all his contemporaries that did the same thing as him, Piper, uh, they're all dead. But he's alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's amazing. He's yeah, and he fell out of a plane too. So he's. Just, I mean, he he survived the plane crash, the whole nine. He's an and amazing guy. The fact, you know, his his, his daughter, who's, who's who's getting a big push in the WWE today, you know, she once kicked his ass. She did? Yeah, the police came to the house to bring it up. Nice. You don't remember this happened like four or five years ago. <laughs> I didn't know it was her that did that, but uh, that that's great, man. So, I mean, um, you know, more power to Ric Flair, man. It's too bad about uh, Gordy, but we'll remember him well as this uh, – some other matches that you want to point out uh, about Gordy that maybe people should check out? Match, the Texas Death Match against Killer Con World Class November of 1984. That's all over YouTube. Watch that match. That is one of the greatest matches in the history of territorial wrestling. Probably the greatest match. It was voted by the uh, – there was a project done a few years ago by, by, by uh, a friend of mine at Goodwill. He, he did a project on uh, where it was the – Greatest matches of the 80s from world class. That was voted the number one match of the 1980s in world class, and, and deservedly so. A great, great match. 
Uh, Gordy had many, many matches. You want to talk about great matches that Gordy had? Go to our archives, greatest wrestling matches of all time. Several matches with him and Williams against the Steiner brothers. Uh, Free Birds versus Devon Eriks. Uh, him against Kenneth Kobashi. One great match, uh, Masawa and Kawada against Williams and Gordy. Just one. You want to watch matches? Hear about them? Go to our archives because we have the YouTube link. So basically, you just have to watch every Gordy match that you find online because it's probably going to be good. <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad. Oh, well, stay away from anything that has him as the executioner. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, post what year is he just post, uh, what, 84, 85? From anything that you see Gordy from 1982 to 1993. Okay, there you go. All right, man. Um, thanks again, and we'll talk soon, man. Um, next time we're. Um, I don't we're, know. We're, we're, the next two weeks we're going to focus on boxing and movies. Uh, we got Queso K- Galaxy. We'll talk about next week. The the year in bo- uh, boxing the the week after. Uh, we'll come back after the first with another wrestling greatest performance. And it's either going to be Ric Flair or Ricky Steamboat. It's going to be one of those two guys. So Mick, so happy New Year, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, everything. Yeah, to all our listeners. Um, that's uh, that Happy New Year. If I didn't say that already, so <laughs> we'll be done. Uh, for this year with this uh, show, but uh, check out yeah, check out the archives for some of these matches with Gordy. Definitely, we talked about a lot of them. All right, man, I'll uh, I'll be in touch, um, and you let me know uh, what we're doing. Oh, we know what we're doing. What's the movie again? Remind right, everybody. Next, next week for the guys for the guys and girls that listen to our to Logan's movie reviews, we'll be talking the 1996 Christmas classic Jingle All the Way, starring Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then we'll be looking at the career greatest performances of K-Say, K-O-Say Galaxy, the greatest